This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael. Now, crank it up. podcast from the band bush gavin rossdale what's going on gavin uh i'm just having the time of my life getting ready for for life to come back after this horrendous kind of year year and a half and i know we're not there yet but there's cause for a little bit of optimism and uh i feel great my kids are healthy and i love them they love me that's it i'm feeling good i'm gonna crack i'm gonna crack one for you go for it so, Gavin, last year, around July, Bush released their eighth studio album, The Kingdom. Yeah. Can you talk about the decision to release the album at a time when many bands and labels were kind of holding on to their completed albums until the year when COVID maybe blew over and people could mount a touring campaign around the release? Yeah, sure. Two words, 30 million. <laughs> <laughs> 30 million plays of the record shows that some people wanted to hear it. Uh, now, at a different time, maybe it would have been 100 million if we'd gone on tour and whatever. Right. But um, I appreciate, applaud, and I'm so grateful for those 30 million plays. And also, the record was really pertinent for what's going on. You know, you began with Bullet Holes. That was obviously, um, that was in the John Wick soundtrack. That spoke about uh, race wars, star wars, planet wars, mind wars. So depression, Black Lives Matter, going to the moon. These things that were stuff we're talking about in the air right now. And then you had flowers on a grave, which was about very about isolation, the sadness is the is the the emptiness. And then it suddenly that was what everyone was feeling. You know, I I was I don't have a partner, so at the beginning of pandemic when it was a lot of um, isolation, you know, I was on my own quite a bit and. Uh, you know, I could. That was hard for people. So that song, and then then the kingdom itself, the title track, is about this sort of. It's 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 built for peaceful marching. It's built for for people making their peaceful protests, peaceful changes, not anything aggressive or capital building involved. I'm not part of that squad. I wish everyone would get along a lot better.
you think COVID will change the way live shows happen once things return to somewhat normal? Well, hopefully nothing apart from maybe you might need to produce some do- your documentation that you have a vaccine. Possibly. I don't know how they're going to do that. I mean, I've been vaccinated and I just got a flimsy bit of paper, which I wrote my name on and they signed. I mean, I'm a bit confused. I haven't even dared ask anyone how it's going to you know, work when you go into a venue but uh, I don't know, so we'll see. Uh, but I think uh, it, it won't be any different um, than any other show. We're trying to go back to normalcy. I think what may be different is how you get in and what you show to be proof right. of the pudding of the vaccine. Do you think this will change meet and greets and everything like that? Because I know bands uh, sort of rely on that. Well, I was always, you know, to be honest, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I always was like, you know, because sometimes I meet and greets. For the biggest pain I have in meet and greets, right? 
I love meeting greets. I like to meet people and it's so exciting. Everyone's losing their mind. But the whole handshaking and the whole buff handshaking, I, I generally kind of fist bump because, and not because I'm a germaphobe at all, you know, you wash your hands right after. It's just that some guys come up and, and some, some girls as well, they're so excited to say, hey, they grab your hand and they fucking crush it. I'm like, dude, I've got to play guitar in about 45 minutes. This is not a good, <laughs> this is not a warm up technique that we use. So I was like, why, you know, if I come away, God damn it, I knew I shouldn't, you know, of so many meet and greets where I've, you know, if someone comes at you with your hand out, you know, I'm, I'm English, you know, we're polite, so I'm going to put my hand back, you know, but actually it's like, why have you got to touch each other? You're only going to hurt me. And who knows? So um, maybe if it curbs that touching, I'm I'm okay with that. Unless, of course, uh, it's a, a beautiful damsel in distress and I'm still single and uh, she needs my uh, benevolence. <laughs> course. Well, even before COVID, you know, it's tough enough to stay healthy on the road, especially if you're a singer and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, there was fist bumping going on and, and that kind of thing even before COVID. So I certainly would understand that coming from that world. Right. <laughs> Get out. Get the dog out. Because I'm doing, I'm doing interviews. You right? You okay? What do you need? Get out. Sorry, my son. All right. He's at school. I got like, I got two in school here yeah. and one in, in physical school. Yeah. It's a laugh. Yes. Single parent, life of a single parent. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, I am so in love with my kids. It's just, it's staggering. I, it's so funny because when you find out if you have kids, do you have kids? Uh, I don't know. All right. Smart man. Very smart on the line. <laughs> they ruin your life. You can't, can't do anything again the same. But the funny thing about kids is that they talk about this is that when you first have kids, you know, the logic is, or, or the word is, you know, you have this like grand epiphany. You have this child come out and you're like, oh, and I don't know, as a guy, I was like, the word's not underwhelmed, of course, but guilty that I didn't have those insane feelings mm -hmm. that everyone's meant to have. Like I felt guilty, like, you know, you're not crying enough. You're not sorry, or you're not happy enough. I, it's so overwhelming to know. And what happens, and no one tells you this, or no one told me this, is that it's, an, it's such an intriguing thing. They're like little vines. They're inside you. So when you have them, it's, cool. it's like, wow, you're blown away, but it's hard to put perspective on it. And I'm, maybe I'm not as good a person as all these guys. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. But as the years go by and as the days go by, like months in, months, and years and years and years now, 14, 12, and 7, it's just staggering how much you love them. It's just the, the love just grows. It's like, I'm just, I can't literally see the wood for the trees for my kids. They're so great, so different. And uh, I've really enjoyed being home with them. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Now you've got three kids both parents from the music business are your kids are they leaning that way are they interested in any of that my eldest is a ridiculously good guitar player for his age beautiful fingers beautiful playing and he loves music and the other two are just too young you know one wants to be an astronaut and a fireman or whatever you know mm -hmm. so we'll see i mean my point about it is is that i have them all on you know music lessons not yet, but uh, the older one does, and the other two are about to join. 
And I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to play music, not as a career. I mean, it, music as a career is like a terrible idea. Everyone knows that. It's an awful idea. And especially if you're the son of someone, it's really tricky. I mean, maybe Jeff Buckley was the one guy that you could think of. The rest of it, like, you know, poor old, you know, Jacob Dylan had a bit of a rough ride. It was hard to get past his dad. And not that I'm Bob Dylan, of course, but I'm not saying that. I just mean it's quite hard to be the son of it's a difficult one. People have gotten over it, but it's quite hard to surpass the the parent. And, you know, obviously Gwen is a, is quite a successful pop star. So that's also difficult. So I don't know. I, I don't hold out for it. The main thing is for them, all I care about is be funny, polite, and interesting. Mm-hmm. And then everything else comes, everything else comes, you know, like the 12 year old was saying to me, say, oh, dad, I just don't know what I'm going to do when I'm older. I was like, of course you don't. You're not meant to. You're 12. So just pick anything for a laugh. You know, like, it doesn't matter. You don't hold on to it. It's, right. It's fine. it's fine. You don't sign any dotted lines. You just, just have a feeling about things. You know? Yeah. I was going to say, what advice would you give them from a music business perspective? But yeah, learn how to code. Learn how to code. Yeah. Okay. And play guitar on the weekends, you know, for a laugh. Impress your girlfriend, you know, play stairway to heaven to your girlfriend and learn how to code yeah. and build that company. I want a ship. I want a room on your ship. <laughs> so th- let's talk about the kingdom a little bit. The album was pretty solid record. It did well for this particular time in rock music. The kingdom debuted at number one on billboard, hard music album charts. Three of its songs hit top 20 on active rock radio, flowers on the grave, the kingdom and bullet holes. The album was originally to be called The Mind Plays Tricks on You. Why the change to the kingdom? I always have working titles. And like anything uh, in life, I'm always looking to improve it. And the last two songs we wrote for the record, you know, the label did that usual thing of thanks for all these songs. Have you got any more? Then I complained for a bit, felt insulted, and then, you know, went off to call their bluff and uh, wrote those, those two songs. And um it just was one of those things, you know, it's happened the same on this new record, but I had a working title and then I just wrote a new song last few days. I go, oh, there's the title of the album. So I got a, you know, my new, the new one I'm working on for next that will come out, obviously, uh, probably, I don't know, whenever I've got to make it first, probably early next year. In, in uh, That's got a second title too. Well, that was going to be my question is, are you still planning on mounting a, a touring campaign behind the kingdom or is it onto the next record and you'll play some of those songs in the set? Yeah, I think, I think onto the next, I mean, basically we already had a very packed set before the kingdom, you know, we could play like 17 songs, you know, we're very lucky. I think we're up to like 22 top 40 songs now, mm-hmm. 22 hits, right? Effectively. I mean, obviously, there's five number ones. They're the real big hits. But right. top, top 40, I'll take in as a career. 22 to write is not bad, right? So it's like, we'll just take a, a choice of a few singles from each one and maybe one. I don't know. You know, It's always better to have too many songs and change the sets up. But it, we'll, we'll promote the, the newer record, of course. You know, I mean, both, I suppose. We, we, we sort of probably get a hall pass to promote both, do you know what I'm saying? Because it's like everyone knows that we didn't get a chance to play those songs. And what's annoying is The Kingdom, you could play that record top to bottom live and it would really be strong. So I agree. there's no kind of mid-tempo kind of like, you know, loosey-goosey acoustic 
tracks towards the end. You know, none of that nonsense. No, the kingdom is a real rock record for certain. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of bands today. So at this point, Bush is basically classic rock because you're talking about your first album being 25 plus years old at this point. So a lot of bands, let's call them legacy bands, they go out on tour, they won't put out a new record, and they'll play the hits from those records, and the fans love it, and they do quite well. So what is your take on those bands? Because obviously you still believe in putting out new music with the kingdom. You could technically go out as Bush and play nothing but stuff from the first three albums and be successful. Yeah, I will for it. <laughs> so that sounds terrible to me. It sounds so nostalgic and lazy. And, you know, I think the world is made up of all different types. And um, I just love pushing forward and, and confounding all the rules or status quos. I just, I don't know. Plus, I love writing music. I'm working on new music now. We'll get off the phone. Um, my interviews from this morning and uh, my kids leave tomorrow for a week. I have a super hot date tomorrow night, uh, so that will take precedence. But after that date, it's all about the music. <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, so let's talk about the new reality band show called No Cover. This was new to me until I read the article, and my first thought was, oh, no, not another music reality show. But this one is a bit different. And the difference is something that I view as a definite positive. It's something that is important to me. So for the listeners that aren't that familiar, can you tell people uh, what No Cover is all about and what your part in the new show is? Sure. No Cover is a show on, and uh, basically think of The Voice, but where people write their own songs, write their own music. I've done The Voice. I did The Voice in London. Um, I did it for a year. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I actually love it. It's a wonderful thing. You learn as much for yourself. When you deconstruct your job and you try and offer your insights to someone, it's an interesting process because you actually learn as much as you're teaching because <laughs> you have to like make sure that what you're saying and your process is right. Shut up. Shut up. Get out. So it's a really interesting process. And with this show, I did it with Alice. I was a judge. Alice Cooper. Lizzie from uh, Hailstorm, Tosin Abassi, who's a very heavy experimental guitar player from, um, from LA, amazing guy. Bishop, who's a, a sort of a pop singer, incredible, really amazing singer. And um, it's an amazing cast, really good people. And was, I think it was a nice balance of seeing a bunch of acts. Now, I think there was a, a bit unlucky because there were a bunch of European acts that tried to submit their stuff and didn't quite get in. So I hope there's another series because I hear there's some great talent from over there. We found some bands, you know, and it was pretty good. It was just a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I, I, it's so weird because we did it at the Troubadour, the legendary Troubadour in LA. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what it's going to look like. We just showed up to work. We sat there and got paid to have an opinion. It was hilarious. And I just tried to be constructive. But, you know, I think that it's important to be genuine, you know, and to help people. And so some of the time, I think, I, I don't know, I, I sometimes was a bit worried. I was like, was I a bit harsh? Because sometimes stuff was pissing me off. You know, people were like, everything was great, but the lyrics mm -hmm. and it didn't, so things like that. So I just, 
I just hope that I delivered everything with a compassion that I felt for those people. You know what I mean? I just, because I don't know how they're going to edit it. You know, you could say those lyrics are terrible, but I think there's great promise in the song. But if they just put those lyrics are terrible and then cut, you're like, shit, now I'm Simon Cowell. I don't know if I was Simon Cowell. I don't know. I, I'm not Simon Cowell. There's only one Simon Cowell, but uh, I definitely felt like if I said anything honest, I felt Cowell-like, you know? Yeah. But also that makes for better TV. You can't be going, that's brilliant, that's beautiful, even if it's horrible. It's just really boring. People switch off. So I tried to be as honest and compassionate as I could. Now, is it is it only for rock bands or is it for individuals as well? No, it's for all types of uh, all types of bands. So the band that actually came through was quite an interesting band. So it's amazing things. My highlight was Tony Kay, the legendary a film director who shot his American History X. Do you remember that movie? Yes. With Edward Norton? Yeah. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. So there's a very famous director called, uh, do you know the story about this guy, Tony Kaye? Uh, He's an English director, commercials director, very successful commercials in England, like legendary, huge, right? And he came to America to make movies and he made American History X. Then he fell out with the producers, I guess it was Lionsgate, uh, about the edit. He's a very mindful artist and he took a priest, a vicar, and a rabbi, and a Buddhist monk to the meeting to get the, the film back and uh, to bring a spiritual tone to the meeting. So he's very famous and very weird. Uh, he's a, he's a, a mature gentleman, and he came and sang um, some uh, folk songs, and he had great lyrics. He was like cross between uh, Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan, and Fagin. Uh-huh from Oliver Twist, who's got a big, long, white beard. Like it's, uh, Anyway, so he was my favorite. Uh, but it was a really good experience. And I think people will really enjoy the show. And uh, as I said, I loved the uh, all the people working there and the, the other judges. And the, in fact, the whole crew, you know, it was, it was a really good vibe for two weeks. Just had a job for two weeks. It was kind of fun. That's awesome. Gavin Rossdale, I appreciate your time. I don't want to keep you any longer because I know you got other interviews going on. So thanks so much for sharing your morning with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate that a lot. All the best, yeah. Cheers. Thanks, man. Bye. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.